Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Would you do me a favor and welcome my good friend, Pastor Adam Bagwell. Come on, buddy. Love it. How many are happy to be in the house this morning? You know, um, I love uh, your pastors uh, so much. And uh, you probably already know, uh, Pastor Joel is one of the most amazing communicators, uh, teachers, <laughs> leaders, visionaries. Uh, one of the best people I've ever met that can knock people out really quickly if he needs to with his six-degree black belt in taekwondo. Uh, but what I do want to tell you, um, what I love about Pastor Joel, what I love about uh, Pastor Jen is the sincerity of their heart. Uh, they are the real deal. They're not making it. They're not faking it till they make it. They've made it. They're, they're moving in the direction that God has for their life. And I don't know about you, but uh, I say this every time I come. It's good to be spoiled. And uh, you guys are spoiled with great leadership. And you're spoiled with great pastors who genuinely love the city, love this community. And how many know that Oaks Church, you guys are not building something small. Uh, you're building something great. And I just want to share this with you, too. So many times you think you're waiting to build this great church church, however we define that, I just want to declare to you today, you're already a great church. You're already a great people. And I just want to give God praise for your pastors. Come on, let's give just a good praise for all the leaders that make this happen, all the advice, everything that's happened to make this possible. Come on, how many know you're walking in a miracle? You're walking in a miracle and God's hand uh, is upon it. And so I'm just honored to be here and able to preach. <laughs> uh, uh, I believe I'm on assignment um, because it took me a long time to get here. I got on my cell phone uh, yesterday and I clicked the Southwest app because it was snowing in Denver, Colorado. If you're tracking the weather uh, at all, we, we got a lot of snow. And so I looked outside. I'm like, OK, you know, when you when you're used to traveling out of Denver, it's just part of the, the deal. And so I'm like, OK, well, we're going to be delayed. And so I, I clicked on my app to check what my flight status was, how, how late we were going to be. And it said canceled uh, on my flight. How many know that's an oh, no moment right there? And so um, so I called Southwest. And of course, they're extremely busy because people are changing their flights and trying to get back on course. And uh, so I click the button where they call you back um, because how many know I don't like to wait on hold. I'm going to just call me when you're ready and, and we'll try and work something out. In the meantime, I called Pastor Joel. I'm like, hey, I, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. Like, you, you, you better uh, uh, use my notes. I'll send you my notes. I'm just kidding. Not that he needs them. Um, but they were really good notes. I'm like, you just preach it. And uh, so I get a phone call back. And, and uh, the lady on the other, this never happened to me before. On the other end, I'm just expecting to go, you know, deal with the operators and deal with all the things I'm going to have to deal with to reschedule my flight. And she goes, is this Adam Bagwell? I'm like, yeah, this is Adam Bagwell. Uh, she's like, is this Pastor Adam Bagwell? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, my gosh. She's like, I got saved at one of your church services back in the day. What can I do to help you? I said, come on, somebody. The right person called at the right time. And uh, I said, I'm trying to get to Dallas. She's like, well, what are you doing in Dallas? I'm like, well, I'm preaching uh, for my buddy, uh, Joel Scrivener. She's like, oh, my gosh, Pastor Joel Scrivener. And she's like, I love his ministry. And, um, and so she just went to clicking away, clicking away. Long story short, I finally made it 
at 2 a.m. last night. And so I'm on like Holy Spirit jet lag. So if I say anything crazy, just know that Pastor Joel's going to fix it next week, okay? Don't, don't take anything too hard. Just go, he's tired. He got in late. Uh, uh, but I believe this. I really believe this. I really believe this. We're ending here in 2019 and moving into 2020. Uh, Oaks Church is celebrating 11 months. 11 months. And can I tell you, 11 months of victory. 11 months of multiple <laughs> blessings and the ability for you to be a blessing, all the testimonies I hear. But let me tell you this. I just feel this prophetically this morning. 2020 is going to be a year of multiplication for this church. And I just want you to just get ready for it, get anticipation for it, because God's hand is upon this house and God's best is yet to come. The buildings that you need are on the way. The land that you need are on the way. The missions opportunities are on the way. And you know what? This isn't a person's church. Come on, somebody. This is God's church. And his hand is upon this house. And I don't know about you. Come on, we got to not look at the giants. We got to look at what God wants to do in this house. And I believe this. Somebody in here, you came in here heavy. You came in here heavy. You came in here needing a miracle. And I want to tell you that God has everything that you need. The word says according to his riches, according to his glory, that he has your need in the palm of his hand. And I don't know about you, that's good news for me today, that God's going to supply it. Can we give Jesus just a good praise today as we get into the word? Oh, I want to go into one of my favorite portions of scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I want to talk to you today about David and Goliath. How many have heard of David and Goliath? One of the most prolific stories. People that don't even go to church know about the, the thought process of David and Goliath. And I don't know about you, um, I like underdogs. I, you know why? Because I'm an underdog. <laughs> uh, I like underdogs. And, and if you're anything like me, when I flip through the TV and I don't have a team to cheer for, maybe it's a football game or it's a basketball game, uh, I look for the person who's higher ranked. And I always cheer for the underdog. I want us, anybody like the upset? I got good news. Some of you, God's about to do an upset in your life and get you to victory. And this is the ultimate story of an underdog, a 16-year-old or so, a kid named David who was just a shepherd uh, in his father's uh, land and taking care of sheep and just normal Joe, normal guy, but has an opportunity, has an opportunity to change history. Saul makes a promise, who was the king at that time, that whoever defeats this Goliath, whoever defeats this huge giant Philistine, he declares, number one, this is good stuff, that his family will never have taxes anymore. How many just received that anointing right there? No more February taxi, no more May, like just we're done with it. No more taxes. And he declares that whoever wins this fight, not only are they going to get money, but also, you get to marry my daughter, which puts you into royalty. <laughs> and all the other people, they were afraid. They didn't want to deal with this giant that was there. But uh, David was smart because he wanted not just the money. Come on now, he wanted the honey too. He wanted the money and the honey. And he decides that he's going to go out there and fight this Philistine. Today, I want you in your heart to look at the giants that are in your life. And I want to ask you something. Is it worth the fight? Is it worth the fight? In 1 Samuel chapter 
17 and verse 14, it says that David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Just nudge your neighbor, say, it's good to be faithful. It's good to be faithful. And it says this, for verse 16, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening, and he took his stand. And as you go up to verse 32, David decides, as this Philistine is taking his stand, that he's ready to fight him. 16 years old, a shepherd, ready to fight a giant. How I many of those aren't good odds? Those aren't good odds. In verse 32, David comes to Saul. He says, don't worry about a thing, David told Saul. I'll go fight this Philistine. And Saul replies, uh, don't be ridiculous. There is no way you can go against this Philistine. You are only a boy, and he has been in the army since he was a boy. David has faith for a miracle and something incredible to take place. But the king says, don't be ridiculous, you're only a boy. In fact, when you look back at his past, his father didn't even invite him to the dance when Samuel came to anoint the next king. His brothers said that he was arrogant and he was cocky. And yet all David wanted to do was see the will of God to be done for his friends and for his family and for his nation. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to share with you this morning, first off, that God has something great that he wants to do through your life. But in order for you to achieve that greatness, you must rise against the negative voices that are all around us. Uh, how many, just, can you just wave at me if you've had any haters in your life? Have you ever had a dream and people tell you that there's no way that you could ever do that? You want to go to this university, you want to go to Ivy League school, and you're not smart enough to do that? Come on, mother-in-laws are great at this, praise the Lord. I'm just preaching to myself for a minute, I'm just teasing. Um, have you found there's a lot of negative voices? I want to tell you guys something. When you hear a God word and you hear a word from the Holy Spirit, you've got to hold on to that word from Him. Because people around you will not understand the steps of faith that you're taking. There's been so many times men and women of God have had opportunities to do something great. But because of the negative voices, they back down. And here, David decides, no, 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 no. I'm not backing down. I'm going to go above the negative voices in my life. Have you ever found out that your faith irritates the fears of other people. Your faith will irritate the fears of other people. <laughs> they're not going to step out in faith, but they don't want you to do it either because it reflects the fear that they're dealing with and your faith irritates that thing. I want to tell you, you will never do anything great being popular. But I'm telling you, it's better to be powerful than it is to be popular. There are decisions. That was good preaching. I'm going to come over here. There are decisions that you will make in your life that may be unpopular, but they're powerful for the things of God. David was not popular. Come on, somebody. But the Holy Spirit in him made him powerful that he could do something that had never happened in this, life, in this season of the children of Israel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34, it says, But David persisted. He persisted. 
I have been taking care of my father's sheep. Now, now let's pause here. That's not a good resume right there. Am I right? You're going to go fight this giant, put the whole nation on the line, and your resume is, I've taken care of my daddy's sheep. Uh, I walked the dogs. I took care of the hamster. Y'all pray for me. I got a hamster in my house. I don't know what to do with that. Um, I, I took care of business. And this is how he comes. But then he goes on. <laughs> he says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. How many of you say that's a better part of his resume at that point? Started off a little weak with the first reference. Second reference, it got a little bit better. I'm killing lions and killing bears. I just want to tell you, um, I, I'm not chasing a lion and I'm never chasing a bear. I just want to confess that openly this morning. In fact, big dogs actually scare me if it's at the wrong moment of time. I'm not fighting a dog. I'm not fighting a bear. If, if I'm David, if I'm David and I'm a shepherd, okay, and a lion's already caught, the sheep, and the sheep is in its mouth. It was just a bad day. That's all it was. <laughs> it was a bad day. I'm a businessman. We can make more sheep. Are you in here? But let's figure out the mating thing. You know, we'll figure it out. We'll put them in a close, fenced-in room. We'll make it happen. We can multiply it back. If I see a sheep, it's just a bad day. Sorry. He says, no, 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 no. There was something. Oh, I want you to get this. In him that persisted persisted that he has to go after the thing that has come and attacked his home and his life. Daughters, sons, men, women, husbands, wives, there's times you have to be persistent in fighting for what's coming after your home and after your family. You have to say, no, 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 no. They might be doing it this way over here, but as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me in my house, my daughter is covered. As for me in my house... We are anointed by God. I just tell you, uh, 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 when, you when you respond spiritually when things are coming against you, the Lord has declared that you have victory. And in the same way the bear came and the lion came, now he sees a man coming for his family and for his people. And he says, nope, we're going to do something about this situation. I love this picture because David won privately with the lions and the bears and the stuff that no one saw before he ever won publicly. We're living in a generation that wants public attention 24-7, where God's trying to deal with them in the private life of getting their character, getting their motives, getting them healthy, so that it prepares them for the public battles. I love this because you have to win your personal battles before you can win your public ones. So many people, Facebook, Instagram, all these different, there's probably like 12 others I don't know about yet, all these teenagers they got. My, my son's doing TikTok and I don't even, whatever it is, um, and doing all these things. The teenagers are like, he's so irrelevant. Um, but I'm telling you, there's something that God has to do in us privately before he can do things publicly. It says in 1 Samuel 17, Saul, after David was persistent, Saul finally consented. 
And he said, all right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. May the Lord be with you. You thought the force be with you came out of Hollywood. It was out of the Bible. And the Lord be with you. That was funny. Just nudge your neighbor, say loosen up. Um, In verse 38, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. And David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested. I'm not used to them. So he took them off again. I like this picture. Saul thinks he's trying to help David out and give him his armor. But it says he just took a step or two and he said, no, this doesn't feel quite right. There's a, it's clunky, it's heavy. I never needed this to fight the lions and the bears. I just, I, I don't feel right. And I don't know about you. Um, I've had a lot of people in my life try and put some things on me that I didn't ask to wear. I'm going to come over here. They try and put their philosophies and what they think you should do with your life. And this is how you should do your ministry. And this is how you should go about it. And this is how you should build your company. And this is how you should do your marriage. And this is how, come on somebody, this is how you should raise your kids. And this is how, but how many know, um, um, I, I can't wear everybody else's thing. Oh, I wish you could catch this. I got to go to the uniqueness of what God has designated me to do. As much as I love Joel and he's like my closest friend. There's a uniqueness on him that's different than the uniqueness is on me. I can't wear as much as I wish I could. He looks better than me. He's always tanner than me. His hair isn't graying as fast as mine. And he is older than I am, just so everyone knows. He's the older brother. I'm the kid. He dresses better. He kicks better. He's more athletic than I am. Come on. I'll just leave it there. Um, But the uniqueness that's on him, I wish I could have it, but I got to find the uniqueness that's in me. Um, um, When Sarah and I were young in ministry, we had this opportunity. I was 25. She was 20. Um, We were pregnant with our first baby. We went on a five-year plan to have uh, uh, our first kid when we got married, and it lasted for three months. And how many know that plans change? <laughs> and, um, and so we were uh, about to have JT. He's 12 now. And the Lord opens up this door that was just nothing that we had planned. It's nothing I journaled about. All I'd prayed about is I felt like I was called to be a lead pastor And that God was going to do it at a young age. And I felt that in my heart. Well, the door opens in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, If you don't know what Joliet, Illinois is, it's the hood. Are you in here? Uh, It's down the street from one of the largest penitentiaries in the nation called Statesville. And it was in South Chicago. Um, If you know anything about me, uh, uh, I knew um, nobody in Chicago. In fact, let me come over here. I never even hardly been to Chicago. And this door opens at this church, and everyone thought I was out of my mind. Pastor Joel was encouraging, but I could tell by his eye twitch that he wasn't too sure that this is what I need to be doing. 
I had an incredible position at my dad's church, big mega church in Denver, Colorado, and I was associate pastor and doing things with youth and preaching with Joel and doing fight nights and all sorts of stuff. And I decide with my young, tender, blonde-haired, beautiful wife at 20 and 25 with a kid on the way that God has called us to take over a church in the middle of the hood. Um, For the record, we were the only two white people in the church. Can I get an amen? They said, why is Barbie and Ken taking over a church in the hood? I looked better back then. I've gained some weight. Amen. Why are they doing it? And it's because we knew the uniqueness of what God said. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a unique word that God will speak over your life that other people may not understand it, but when God gets done with it, now they're going to clap and praise because of all that God did through your unique situation. Three years in, on Easter Sunday morning, we had 1,200 people in the building, and over 230 gave their life to Jesus Christ. And it's not to me, it's to God be the glory. Come on, because he's the one that spoke it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting bold in the second service. You have no idea what God wants to do with Oaks Church. This is not a fad. This is not a thing. It is something that God is going to bring a miraculous harvest in 2020 because God had a unique word for your pastor and he had a unique word for Pastor Jen and God had a unique word for you. And I don't know about you. Why don't we just go take this community for Jesus? Why don't we just lead people to the love and the grace and the healing power of his Holy Spirit? David walked a step or two, but it didn't feel right. Ladies and gentlemen, this church will have a culture that's different. It'll have a different way that we do things. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's not our church. It's God's church. I wrote this down if you're taking notes. You've got to go with your own strengths. (laughs) You've got to move in your own gifting. I heard one person say, you got to find your sweet spot. And when you find it, (laughs) live there. Can can I just, confessions of a pastor this morning, can I be open? Um, No? Okay. Um, I'm really not good at anything. I've evaluated my life. I'm I'm not a great manager. I'm not a great organizer. Uh, You know, my wife loves me at least three days out of the week. You know what I mean? My, my dog, my dog sometimes will sit on my lap. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just look at my skill set, and I'm not really good at much. I'm just good at talking, if, I just talk. I, I don't even have good points. I just talk. I just get through the situation. But you got to find that thing that defines you and makes you great. And when you get it, listen to me, you got to work it. You got to work it and allow God to do something miraculous through it. We see David after he meets with Saul and after he gets through the negative voices and after he deals with whatever he's got to deal with up here and he decides to go after this giant. And he he had a few weapons. He had a shepherd's staff and he had five smooth stones. He had a shepherd's bag. He had a sling in his hand and he was comfortable with what had worked for him in the past. Ladies and gentlemen, do not despise the things that God did in your heart 
in the past because he was equipping you for a moment of greatness. He was equipping you for a moment of miracles. And he walks out there, and I just, you know, there's portions of scripture that just make me smile. Like, you just, you got to read them. And David approaches with very little armor this giant who has been saying everything foul that he could say about the God of Israel and about the children of Israel. And David had had enough. And David walks out there with no armor. And he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How many know that's personal? (laughs) I'm just saying of all the things that he could have said, he breaks out with, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Like before I kill you, We're going to have some words because apparently you like words and I like words too. And I love that about David because that's where him and I get along. I just like words. Anybody in here good at words? You say wrong words. You say other words. You say words you don't need to say. Amen. The next time you get in an argument, I'm just kidding. Um, David approaches him. He confronts him and prophetically lets him know that he's going to kill him and he's going to cut his head off is a sign of victory. But what I love is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48. (laughs) He said, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. There are moments in your life that you can't even just stand. You've got to go after what God has said you, go after what God has said you can have. Um, There's moments, there's moments that you have to push forward in what God said for your life. You have to run towards it. Just just nudge your neighbor and say, you got to run towards it. You got to run towards it. I love that he doesn't back away. He runs towards it. And he did it because he had faith, not just in his talent. He had faith in the God that is for him. He gets a sling, just like the bear, just like the lions, the the weapon that he's comfortable with. And he runs towards the enemy and he lets the stone go. He had five stones, but all he needed was one because God had his hand on David's life. You see, I don't know that David necessarily ran out there arrogant or cocky. He remembered that Samuel had anointed him just a few weeks before. The prophet had come and poured the oil on and said, you'll be the next king of Israel. And David did not forget that moment because it was a God moment. Can I help you for a second? Some of you have giants that you're seeing in your way to get into 2020. You got to remember the God moments in your life. You got to remember what God spoke, what God said, what God was declaring, and say, you know what, I'm holding on to that despite the fact that I've got to fight this giant. And David rolls in and he releases it. He releases that stone and it hits the giant square in the head. The thing I like about this thought is that David at this point of his life was smaller in stature, definitely smaller than Goliath. 
it looks like his stature is a negative in the fight. Wouldn't you agree? I was like watching the UFC, the tail of the tape, right? And they, they go the height and they go the length and, and, and how far their reach is and all this different stuff. The tail of the tape was not good for David on paper. But the tail of the tape was amazing for David in the supernatural. You see, um, theologians believe the way that the helmet would have been placed on Goliath's head, that if he was not the height and the trajectory coming from a lower point, that it couldn't have hit him perfectly where it hit him. Can I get you? Your disadvantage is actually what God's going to use to bring glory to somebody's life. Come on, the abuse you walk through, the hurt you walk through, the divorce you walk through, the thing that looked like a negative on the tail of the tape, God's about to use it for his glory that you can lift your hands up and say, if it had not been for my God healing me, if it had not been for my God giving me grace, if it had not been for God forgiving me, I don't know where I would be. The tail of the tape was messed up, but God did it. I shared this in the first service. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. Pastor Joel can fix it next week. I have thoughts. You ever just have thoughts? I have thoughts about the Bible. I like to read the Bible. I had this thought, and I don't have scripture for it. It's just a thought. So take it or leave it. Option number one, David just, you know, kicked it out of the park. He just, he hit Goliath straight in the middle of the head. But I had this thought, what if he actually missed and we didn't know it? What if he ran up and he threw that thing and he was off trajectory just an inch or two? Is it possible that God blows on the rock and moves it back into trajectory? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there are times in our life where we're trying to do what's right and we're trying to give it our best. And yet we just feel like we missed the mark. I want to give you some hope that God's Holy Spirit can put things right back into orbit the way that he had from the beginning. Can I talk to you about this beautiful church? This church will not be perfect. Can I tell you why? Because you're here. Praise God. This church will not be perfect because there's people in it. Uh, the joke with pastors are, man, church is great. It's just all those people, right? And, and the church is great. It's the bride of Christ. But I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some stuff that we try and that Pastor Joel tries and Brandon and different people, and it's going, we're going to miss it. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit has the power to blow it right back into order and change the trajectory so at the end of the day, Oaks Church is going to have victory one way or the other. Oaks Church is not our church. It is God's church. And we get to sit in the beautiful, beautiful aroma of his glory. He'll get it right back on back. Can I talk to you about your family? Let me say it like this. If you study the Old Testament, there is not one functional family in the whole Old Testament. We, we blew it from the beginning with Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel, let's take it up to murder. Like, let's just get it going. When you look through all, I mean, Noah and the Ark, that is the worst family camping trip ever. <laughs> There's not one functional family. So, so, well, Pastor Adam, why are you telling me that? I don't expect your family to be functional either. But when you put God in the middle of your home, 
He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ever hope or imagine. Come on, mom, I want to encourage you. Don't give up on your teenager. Don't give up on your young person. And you're like, they're acting crazy. You did too. It's part of the plan. But if you put God in the middle of the home, God can redeem it. He can take what we trajected to be the right way, but we missed it. But the wind of the Spirit can fix everything in a moment. You got to run towards your battles, not away from them. Run towards your battles and not away from them. The worship team wants to come hang out with me. I like when they hang out because they play this beautiful music and it makes me sound theologically professional and anointed. Praise God. That's funny. You can loosen up. It's okay. Is he allowed to talk like that? He just did. He just did. What's interesting, when you study the armor of God, <laughs> is they did not put armor on the back of the soldiers. All of the armor was up front because there was no such thing as retreating. <laughs> if you retreated, you're going to get what you get because you don't have armor back there. The whole picture of the armor of God within a scripture, within Ephesians, is that it was a picture of we've got to run forward towards our destiny and towards our battles. We got a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness. And here David, when he could have hid like the other soldiers and could have done everything else like that, he took the higher path and he ran towards the giant. But here's why, here's why. He knew it wasn't up to his might. It wasn't up to his gifting. It was up to God's hand on his life. Ladies and gentlemen, I wanna tell you, when you receive Christ into your heart, when you receive the power of his Holy Spirit, <laughs> it's no longer about you. It's about the God that comes through you. <laughs> it's about the love that can only come from Jesus pouring through you that brings healing in your relationships and your family. And I'm telling you today, no matter what you might be in the middle of, we serve and worship a God who is more than enough. You know, I love the scripture in Psalms 23. It talks about yeah, I felt that for somebody, that my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Anybody had an empty cup before? <laughs> and I'll just, I'll just, I'll preach to myself for a little bit. Uh, anybody had empty relationships? Anybody wake up and just felt anything but overflowing? I want to prophesy to you today that God is about to fill you till you overflow again that you overflow in joy, you overflow in confidence, you overflow in just this agape love that only comes from God. And I'm telling you what, in the midst of that, God will bring healing in every situation of your life. Oaks Church, get ready because this is a season of victory for you. This is a season of victory in your marriage, for your kids, for your teenagers, for young people. And I'm telling you, you've got to get a mentality like David that, God, I remember what you did back here. Now, God, do it again 
as I step into this new year. How many believe that for you this, today? Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.